Hello, and welcome back to Shockingly Wicked, a true crime podcast where we bring you true crime cases from the headlines to the hometowns. I'm Brianna. I'm Brittany. And we are your hosts for the evening. Welcome back. We are slowly making our way into season two. Throughout August, we are leading up to the True Crime Podcast Festival. We will be in Dallas the last weekend of August. And we will be doing a live show from True Crime Podcast Festival. We have some more information about that on our website. So don't forget to check that out and tune in if you're able to on that Saturday. I believe it's the 28th, but don't quote me on that. So it's the 27th. It's the 27th. See, Brittany knows more than I do because she actually scheduled it. So, <laughs> all right. So, Brittany, this this is a very fascinating subject because <laughs> we typically focus on not as famous people or cases. And I guess technically, if you know about it, then you know about it. But I, I didn't know any of this. So tell us, tell us what inspired you to do your episode on Snoop Dogg of all people. <laughs> well, I did Martha for a bonus episode. Okay. So yeah, they're, also, they're kind of a, a, I've just been on a celebrity kick recently. That, that tracks. And they're, they're kind of a package deal these days, right? It's like you I can't get Martha, one without the and other. I love Snoop Dogg. That's, that's valid. So I knew like vaguely that things had happened, but I guess I didn't pay enough attention I to him or it whatever in general to know that it, like the details about it. But I think that's probably the case with most things with celebrities. It's like, oh, there, there's rumors, but like I don't know any of the information, so this should be interesting. But we'll go ahead this was and what before I was born. So yeah, well. You always make me feel so old. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was in ninety. This all happened in like ninety three. I wasn't born until ninety eight. I was two years old. So <laughs> anyway, I guess we'll just go ahead and jump right in. So Brittany, take it away. Okay. Well, if you didn't know, Snoop Dogg is from the West Coast, so he did crip walk at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Which I didn't even he know did. was a thing he... until somebody pointed it out to me. Yeah. But, okay, so I'm going to tell you his full name while we're in here, but I'm going to refer to him as Snoop Dogg because that is his stage name and that is what he would like to be publicly known as, and I would like to respect that. It is also easier to say, probably. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> I mean, it, it is what it is. Okay. So, West Coast rap legend Snoop Dogg was discovered by Dr. Dre from NWA in the early 1990s. And if you don't know what that stands for, I can tell you, so you gotta Google it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, NWA. I mean, I could technically. (laughs) I mean, I guess. I'm not gonna do it. Don't do that. Uh, But uh, I'm I'm not gonna do it. NWA is another musical group from that era. You could also watch Straight Outta Compton. It will tell you a lot. Yes, it's very, it's very true. So, but he received fame for albums such as Doggy Style, <laughs> The Dog Father, and Reincarnated. That's are like his three biggest ones. Mm-hmm. Doggy Style was his first one. I think it's so funny. <laughs> well, you know, Snoop Dogg. So you 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 got to keep going with the theme, I guess, for for that sort of thing. So his actual name is Cordozer Calvin Brodus Jr. Or better known as Snoop Dogg. Interesting. That's why I'm only going to refer to him as Snoop Dogg. Uh, he was born in Long Beach, California on October 20th, 1971. His nickname came from his mother because she thought he looked like Snoopy from the Peanuts cartoon. That's that's a good reason for that. I, I could see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was a musically inclined boy. He played piano and sang at his local Baptist church before he ventured into rap in the sixth grade. As one does. After graduating high school, Snoop was arrested several times for drug possession and spent some time in prison. He is also associated with the Rolling Twenty Crips. I didn't realize that they were like. Well, yeah, I I guess I didn't realize that they were like subdivision of the Crips. I was going to say, I think there's also subdivisions of. I mean, I guess it makes sense, like maybe based on locality or something. What's the other one? The Bloods. Yeah, there's Bloods, Crips. There's a lot of gangs out there. You could Google it. I know the prison one. 
was skinhead, so that's how I know the prison was. Well, I'm not going to ask any more questions. <laughs> well, those are bad. I mean, they're all bad, but those are bad. He started making music as a way to get out of his troubles and recorded early demos with his cousin Nate Dog, D-O-G, and friend Warren G as a as the group 213. Um, but fun fact, Nate Dog was also on Shake That with Eminem and 21 Questions with 50 Cent. Okay, so that's Just why. I was like, that name sounds familiar, but I could not tell you from where, but that makes sense. Shake That was Shake that. iconic. It was Master for Jam. <laughs> iconic. <laughs> I, I danced to that song at my bachelorette party. <laughs> I, could, I could see that. <laughs> what's, no, what's funny is it was a saloon oh. type bar. Oh. <laughs> So I requested it at the DJ booth. Oh, Everybody's well. very confused. Because they only line dance at this bar. <laughs> Why did you It's the only bar we have around here. Okay, I was like... Or I would not have gone. Okay. I hate it. I hate everything about it because I don't know how to line dance. Well. Um, anyways, I'm not going to lie. I still vibe to Eminem and 50 Cent on the daily, so... I mean, many do, so you're not alone. So he, has a tr- he had a track and he sent that to out to the world and dr dre caught the the he caught the attention of dr dre and then he invited snoop dog who was rapping under the name snoop doggy dog to come audition i'm very glad he's shortened that because it's a lot yeah um, i do remember him being called snoop doggy dog i didn't realize that was like his official name like yeah out in the world for a bit i thought it was just people like you know having fun like oh <laughs> that snoop doggy dog you know that's snoop doggy dog that dog <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> no, that's that was his name. From there, they collaborated on a song called "Deep Clover" for the soundtrack of the film with the same name. But since achieving fame, Snoop has had tons of run-ins with the law. So in 1990, he was convicted of a cocaine possession, and three years later, he pled guilty to a gun possession. Which I'm going to assume the gun was illegal. That's why he pled guilty to it. Yeah. Or he could have had it and it was a felon. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because I know that if you're a felon, you... Well, I don't know if that's, like, by state or if that's a, like, federal law. But mm, if you're a... Federal. It, okay, because if you're a felon, you're not supposed to have a gun. So... Hmm. Yeah, it's a federal. You also can't vote if you're a felon. Well... Snoop made news again in April 2006 when the rapper and his group were taken into custody after they got a fight in it. Into a fight at a airplane terminal. I remember um, hearing about which that is, one. Yeah, in the UK. So the British government actually banned Snoop Dogg from entering the country, although they had to later change their position due to backlash. <laughs> so that's, like, really, oh that's really funny to me for some reason. I guess I'm just imagining a bunch of like angry Brits being like, <laughs> yo, what, like, what the fuck? Let Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Let Snoop Dogg um, into the country, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but this is not his first brush of notoriety in the UK. In 1994, the Daily Star carried a picture of Snoop Dogg on the front of its cover with the headline, quote, kick this evil bastard out, end quote. That's dramatic. I know. I was like, damn. Out of all the rappers, Snoop Dogg's the most chill. Yeah. I, I, he does have a, you know, he did go to jail for murder, so. <laughs> oh. I get, I get it. That's what this is about. I, yeah, but like if if somebody didn't know that, that's just a spoiler. <laughs> well, it's in the name. <laughs> Later in 2006, he was arrested at the Bob Hope Airport in Burbank, California, after officers found weed and a gun in his vehicle. If they didn't find weed in his vehicle, I would be surprised. Yeah, I would be more concerned if I didn't find it on Snoop Dogg. That's personally. like when people were bashing him for smoking pie at the Super Bowl and I'm like, I would be concerned if he wasn't smoking pie at the Super Bowl. Yeah, what are you like, talking about? That's kind of Snoop Dogg's thing, man. <laughs> so, he likes weed. Yeah. Okay. In 2007, this is so funny to me, in 2007 the Australian Department of Immigration and Citizenship, citing his prior criminal convictions, banned him from entering the country and appearing at the MTV Australia Music Video. <laughs> That's really funny to me, considering Australia started as a prison colony. I know, but I think it's so funny because I'm like, why? Like, we have bigger things to worry about than banning this man from entering the country. I think he's since been able to go back. Especially for, like, a music Um, video awards. Like, 
It's literally like he was just going to go. It's not that serious, my guys. <laughs> if he wants something, and you know how like if they're not there, they have to film like a video that's like mm-hmm. say, "Hey, I accept this award." Da 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 da. I would be so yep. Australian government won't let me in. <laughs> Riot. Yeah, do it. Okay, so we're gonna go into a little bit of the crime. Just like some background information, the arrest of Snoop Dogg for the murder coincided with his ascendancy as one of the most popular rappers in the United States at the time, because he was. He was, like, one of the most mm-hmm. notorious. He was everywhere. Yeah. Um, especially that when Dr. Dre signed him mm-hmm. uh, for his label, I think that's got a lot to do with it. But this murder case actually had a lot to do with his fame, too. Mm-hmm. But this, also, this murder case also fueled general debate over whether gangster rap, quote, around gangster rap contributed to or merely reflected gunplay drug abuse sexual violence street gang warfare and other social bills so it's a big debate during that time i mean i guess i understand why it would be a debate but at the same time i'm like does it matter i talk about it a little bit more but um in the afternoon of august 25th 1993 rising rap star snoop dogg heard a commotion in the street right outside of his la apartments Snoop Dogg watched from the windows. Um, his bodyguard, McKinley Lee, a.k.a. Malik, and I'll be referring to him as Malik throughout, um, went outside to investigate. Malik found a carload of street gang members arguing with Sean Abrams, who was one of Snoop's friends. The appearance of like Malik ended the argument, but as the car departed, Snoop from the window thought he recognized one of the people as someone who had recently threatened him with a pistol at a music video shoot. So the gang member was Philip Woldmerium. I'm going to refer to him as Philip from now on. Um, A 20-year-old Ethiopian immigrant. Later that day, with Malik and Sean Abrams accompanying him, Snoop was driving his Jeep Cherokee past a park when he encountered Philip in that same group once again. Accounts of the encounter would differ, but no dispute over the fact Malik had shot and killed Philip. Oh. R.I.P. Philip. Police found Philip's body in a carport nearby the scene of the shooting, and the murder charges were quickly filed against Snoop, Malik, and Sean Abrams, who all had since, like, they went into hiding. They said, fuck that shit. And, you know, I don't blame them. This part is so funny to me, though. So, yeah. s- while Snoop Dogg's attorneys negotiated the terms of a surrender and bail, Snoop appeared at a televised music award ceremony on September 2nd, 1993, and shouted his innocence to a cheering audience. My guy. <laughs> That's so funny. But he turned himself in that night. He okay. just had to get his award. Okay. <laughs> That's so funny to me. That is really funny. Your attorneys probably Snoop saw that. so funny to me. Like, the attorneys would probably saw that and like, God damn it. Come on. He's so funny. He's so unironically funny. Yeah. So funny. His debuting album, Doggy Style, released several months after the shooting incident and then sold over 5 million copies, which I think was good for that time. But one of its songs were uh, Murder Was the Case. That was the name of it. Uh-huh. And that was promoted like super heavily by the label. I've actually listened to it a couple times. It's actually very good. <laughs> I think it's so, like, it's a funny song. But in the music video, Snoop is shown as, like, a, like he's shot and killed, but then he's brought back by the devil, given, like, fame and fortune, and then is shown shooting someone and being convicted of murder. It's, a little it's so funny, because, like, one of the lyrics, <laughs> one of the lyrics is, like, I can't die, my boo-boo's about to have my baby. Oh, <laughs> but it's just oh. the way that he says it. It's so my funny. Boo-boo. He's actually been with, he's married someone, I think, in, like, 91, and they've, like, been together since. That's really cute. It's cute. We love romance. It's got a very uh, similar vibe to My Darling by Eminem. And then that song, it's um, he gave his soul for fame and fortune. And now the devil's like wanting to come and collect it. So it's, mm-hmm. they're two very, um, which I, the only reason I mentioned that is because I saw the comments. They were like comparing the two. And I was like, they're very good. Good job. But the notoriety of Snoop's impending trial fed his celebrity status But it also attracted the ire of critics who blamed gangster rap, like I said before, for glorifying gang-related violence plaguing the urban communities. Um, That's what the article said, not me. I don't know. I guess there might be some rap that does that, but I feel like overall it's like bringing attention to the fact that there are these issues. But obviously there's a lot of... Yeah. yeah, and Snoop talks about, like, that, um, 
but well i talk about it like more than um okay. but rap artists responded to the critics saying that their work was an accurate reflection of existing mayhem not its inspiration yeah so they're yeah but although he was concentrating on his musical career at the time of philip's shooting philip had belonged to an up well i'm sorry snoop was focusing on his musical career philip had belonged to an upstart gang called yourself hustlers police theorized that the shooting incident was just one of you know one of the more thousands of fatal gang related confrontations because i think at this time i mean now there still is but around this time there was a lot of gang Mm. violence there still is a lot of gang violence especially in la and like new york um even here you would know observers propose that yeah, I wouldn't know. Um, observers proposed that the shooting was a case of Snoop Dogg's life imitating his art. I disagree because I think this came before the song. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, if it came before the song, then especially with that music video, you, you're a little bit like Mr. Snoop. <laughs> Mr. Dog. <laughs> Mr. Snoopy. <laughs> Sir. Doggy Dog. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Doggy Dog. <laughs> I have some questions. <laughs> I actually don't think that he did anything wrong. Um, he was we'll just see that. there. If anything, an accessory, but I still don't even think that. Yeah. But I do want to point out, so the OJ trial was a year before his trial, ah. um, but Johnny Cochran was his defense attorney. Yeah, Johnny Cochran was like the guy after oh. the OJ trial. Mm-hmm. So charges against Sean Abrams, remember this is just his friend, they were dropped at the time of the court case, which came two years. So the shooting happened in 93, the court case was in 95. Mm-hmm. Sean Abrams didn't have to go to court. When testimonies began on November 27, 1995, the trial immediately centered on the conduct of the LA's police department, are we shocked, <laughs> whose alleged mishandling of evidence in the recently decided O.J. Simpson murder trial had been cited as a major reason for Simpson's controversial acquittal. Yeah. I mean, arguably, it's because one of them was racist and then they turned all of the attention on that guy. And then mm-hmm. they were like, see, he po- he couldn't possibly have done it. This dude's a racist. <laughs> it's like, that. okay, this dude's a racist, but OJ probably still murdered her and, and Ryan yeah. Oldman. So, like, both things can be true at the same time. He even wrote a book, didn't he? That says if I did it. He ghost wrote a book that was yeah, that was called If I If I Did It and it was like how things would have unfolded if he had been the one to do it or something like that and Which was it was from what I read it was basically stating everything the prosecution had st- yeah. stated. Uh I haven't actually read it, but I do know that Ron Goldman's family sued and then they got like basically any money that gets made off the book goes to them because OJ lost in a civil suit about Ron Goldman's murder because it's significantly easier to win a civil suit against somebody than it is to win a criminal lawsuit. Cause with criminal lawsuits, it's they fought a wrongful death suit. Yeah. Yeah. So with a criminal suit, you, it has to be beyond a reasonable doubt. So like you have to be, 95% sure at the very least so it's really hard to get that amount of certainty Um, and then you've got civil suits or like a wrongful death suit which is a civil suit that one is just a preponderance of the evidence so 51% sure that's enough to be like okay he's guilty so he lost that civil suit about like the deaths of Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown Simpson and so they um he was supposed to pay them because he lost that and suit. And he never did. And right? he never did because he's broke. And so then he like wrote this book. I was going to say, I think he filed bankruptcy around that time. Yeah. And so, well. Which that's one way to get out of being sued without having to pay because yeah, if you file bankruptcy, all cases will be dis- not dismissed, but you can't pay. Yeah. And so then when he wrote this book, the Goldman family, they sued and so now the proceeds from that book go to pay the Goldman family, which it should. Like, yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you shouldn't get any money off of a hypothetical quote unquote book about how you would have murdered people that you were accused of murdering. Like, read the room. You guy. know my personal opinion. Yeah, read the room. 
Um, okay, so Prosecutor Edward Neeson tried to minimize any damage to his case by admitting in opening statements that some evidence, including the victim's bloody clothing, a bullet, and a shell casing, had all disappeared while in police possession. Bro, how do you lose uh, evidence? It's the LAPD. Are we surprised? No, I just, I will never understand how you can lose vital evidence like that. Like, victim's bloody clothing, the bullet, the shell casing. Like, everything you need to prove that this thing happened. Like, come on. Like, that's vital evidence. Not to mention the prosecution, because they lost this, they relied heavily on people who I don't think, and and I'll talk about it, but I don't think that they made great witnesses. Mm Mm-hmm. But they relied heavily on their t- uh, their testimonies. Like, that's what indicted the charges. Yeah. And then they recanted it. And I was like, <laughs> you fucking idiot. Oh, uh, Lord. It's so funny to me, but though, because the jurors, and they, you know, when you get picked for a court case, you are, especially them, they had been previously, like, examined about any negative impressions that this O.J. Simpson case might have had on their opinion of the city's justice system. Yeah. While he was saying this. Um, they all rolled their eyes at the prosecutor's <laughs> confession. Like, and it's on tape too. Like, you can just see them rolling their eyes. It's so funny. I think it's hilarious. I mean, but I think he should have never. He should never have committed. Like, at least admitted that in opening statements. Yeah, that like, was a stupid move. I, I would also roll my eyes. Like, that's that's one of your jobs. <laughs> been like, really, as an in, as an investigator well, in the OJ's <laughs> Simpson case, they had also lost evidence. Mm-hmm. Yep, they lost Fucking evidence, and then, like, yeah, it was just, it's the, the way LAPD, the police LAPD fucking pisses me off. Well, like, especially the LAPD, but, like, this happens in a lot of places where, like, evidence gets lost and, like, nobody gets in trouble for it. Like, I don't understand how people just don't get in trouble for, like, losing vital evidence for cases or, like, how, like, rape kits get built up over decades and they don't get like investigated like how does this stuff happen and nobody gets in trouble for it police unions that's that i answered my own question but um we're not gonna we're not gonna go down that route because i could go on for ages anyway continue (laughs) but despite the police department's mistakes prosecutors argued that snoop dogg and malik had hunted down philip over a gang-related insult and shot him in the back I disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they were driving and then they happened to see them. I think, yes, they did stop. Yeah. I don't think they were intentionally looking for them to go shoot them. Yeah, like to And I'll hunt- talk about it. Yeah, hunting them No, down. I don't think they were hunting them down. I think they saw them and it brought the opportunity to confront him because mm-hmm. he thought that he had been um, threatened by a pistol by that guy. And I think it escalated from there. Yeah. The prosecution's problems were not confined to missing evidence. The defense held that Malik had fired his gun only in self-defense when Philip ran towards Snoop Dogg's Jeep while reaching for a gun in his waistband, but no gun had been found on his body. Now the two witnesses, which were fellow gang members of Philip. Okay, so um, fellow gang members of Philip were the witnesses that were there. The two witnesses for the prosecution, um, whose testimony was what the indictment relied on had witnessed the shooting and initially told police that the dead man had been unarmed when Malik shot him. But at the time the trial began, they recanted their stories and admitted that they had hidden a pistol that Philip had been carrying. And we'll get right to that after a quick word about our sponsors. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what the hype was all about and it didn't really taste super healthy. It kind of has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to taking every morning. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. In 2020, AG purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old growth rainforests. So you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different little pills and supplements to look out for your health. 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com emerging to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We're super excited to share our newest collaboration with you all. Violet and Suds is a neurodivergent and LGBTQ-owned small business that started in October of 2012. They create all kinds of products with various themes from bath and soap products, candles, stickers and stationery, and jewelry and accessories. All products are carefully handcrafted and recipes are hypoallergenic, vegan, cruelty-free, and all-natural. 10% of their monthly profit is donated to the Tiny Paws Kitten Shelter, so you can look forward to your self-care routine and know your money is going to a good cause. You can use our exclusive code, WICKED20, to get a discount of 20% off your whole order. Again, that code is WICKED20. So head on over to violetandsuds.com and use that code at checkout. We'll see you there. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what the hype was all about and it didn't really taste super healthy. It kind of has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to taking every morning. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. In 2020, AG purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old growth rainforests. So you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different little pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com emerging to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We're super excited to share our newest collaboration with you all. Violet and Suds is a neurodivergent and LGBTQ-owned small business that started in October of 2012. They create all kinds of products with various themes from bath and soap products, candles, stickers and stationery, and jewelry and accessories. All products are carefully handcrafted and recipes are hypoallergenic, vegan, cruelty-free, and all-natural. 10% of their monthly profit is donated to the Tiny Paws Kitten Shelter, so you can look forward to your self-care routine and know your money is going to a good cause. You can use our exclusive code, WICKED20, to get a discount of 20% off your whole order. Again, that code is WICKED20. So head on over to violetandsuds.com and use that code at checkout. We'll see you there. So not only did the LAPD lose, they lost vital evidence, evidence, and, then and now they're two they were... star witnesses who the indictment is heavily relied on, recanting admitted on the to stand. lying on the stand. They recant, and so, then also they hid vital evidence too. Yes. Um, so Johnny mm. Cochran was one of the lawyers there. Um, there was also a defense attorney, uh, David Kinner. Um, he seized the opportunity to discredit the incriminating testimony upon which the murder indictments relied so heavily on. David Kinner grilled the prosecution witness, Jason London, who was one of the gang members, who had admitted that he and fellow gang member Deshaun Joseph had hidden the victim's gun, which at that point they should have charges because they were trying to hinder a murder investigation and be yeah. destroy evidence or get rid of evidence. Yeah. So the fact that they so were not charged, only that. Yeah. Cause like, not lying. only that, but they, they lied on the stand and that is also and a, lied a to, criminal um, offense. Investigators. And yeah, like all of that is criminal offenses. Like, well, whatever. 
So, London denied that he and Joseph had taken the weapon to make Philip appear as a defenseless victim, or that they had tried to incriminate Malik and Snoop by denying the gun's existence to the police. But why you would pull the gun from a dead body makes no sense to me if you're not trying to do either one of those two things. Yeah. Because, like, what Unless what your, is Unless your fingerprints are on the gun. Unless you are the yeah. ones that fired shots. Yeah. Whatever. Because I can't think of any other reason why you would do that. Yeah. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the defense had succeeded in bringing the implications before the jury. London also admitted that Philip had an alleged reputation for irrational behavior and that Snoop Dogg had played no part in the earlier confrontation at his apartment complex. So the one where he was looking at the window, he played no part because they were initially trying to say that he did, he was part of that when he wasn't. But the prosecution ridiculed claims that Malik had used the gun to protect himself and Snoop because the defense's case is that they, he was shot in self-defense prosecutions are saying and we're in the prosecution scenario the location of phillips wound proved that he was an innocent victim because they were saying he was shot in the back an la county medical examiner was called to confirm that he'd been shot in the back in the buttocks but under cross-examination however the examiner admitted that his report noted that the wounds were lateral implying the bullets that hit phillip traveled sideways through his body not necessarily back to front i'm trying to envision how that so if he was shot from the side I guess that would be, like, in a drive-by, though, right? I Not mean, necessarily. It depends on how he's running and how the car was parked. That's true. There's a lot of, okay. like... He could have been... So, it could he could have been shot from, like, here... Oh, yeah. I guess here, if he was running at an angle traveled. at the car, yeah. Yeah, that's... And then that's what they're saying. It's a lateral. Like, the way that the bullets okay. were lateral. But there's gotcha. no exit wounds, from what I read. Mm-hmm. So on February 20th, 1996, six after a six-day deliberation, the jury returned a not guilty verdict. So they were trying to charge Malik with first-degree murder and Snoop Dogg with second-degree murder, but Snoop Dogg, A, never fired the gun. Um, mm-hmm. So he shouldn't have been charged with murder anyways. He was um, just there. Mm-hmm. Not guilty verdicts on the first and second degree murder charges against Snoop Dogg and Malik. The defendants sat quietly as their supporters cheered and yelled, thank you, Jesus, uh, causing Judge Paul Flynn to threaten to clear the courtroom if they didn't shut the fuck up. I mean, he didn't say that, but that's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Jurors also acquitted both on one charge each of conspiracy to commit assault, but they were, but the jury did remain deadlock on the voluntary manslaughter and accessory charges. So on February 21st, jurors acquitted Snoop Dogg on the accessory charge, but informed Judge Flynn that they remained deadlocked 9 to 3 on the involuntary manslaughter charge on each man and on a charge against the rapper on conspiracy after the fact. If that's what he was going to be charged for, that would be the one that I would not second degree murder. Yeah. Judge Flynn pulled the jurors to find out if any of them thought there was a chance of reaching a verdict on the remaining charges. One juror did tell the judge she thought there was a possibility, and so Flynn sent the five women, seven men panel back to the jury room for deliberations. So they adjourned after an hour, and they were still deadlocked, so he had no choice but to declare a mistrial. Snoop Dogg expressed his relief at being allowed to return to his career without an ankle monitor. (laughs) It's valid. The LA, dist- <laughs> Literally. LA District Attorney's Office declined to try Snoop Dogg and Malik for a second time, so they're they're not retrying them. Um, on the unresolved mm-hmm. voluntary manslaughter charges, but legal issues remained for Snoop Dogg. Phillips' uh, family filed a $25 million wrongful death lawsuit against Snoop Dogg, and it eventually settled after court for an undisclosed amount in August 1996, three years after his death. But the mild-mannered Snoop Dogg left the courtroom smiling and clutching his then two-year-old son. This man is 6'4". That is so yeah. tall for no reason. I mean, I, f- I figured he was tall just like but I didn't based off of everything. But I didn't, I didn't either. He's taller than my brother, but like only by an inch. So I can kind of visualize that. <laughs> yeah. But the 6'4 man made his way through a throng of people and cameras before stepping into his chauffeur-driven Rolls Royce. <laughs> But the foreman of the jury said that the panel took 15 ballots on the manslaughter charges and the latest produced a 93 split. But they didn't say whether the panel favored an acquittal or a conviction on the manslaughter charge. He also yeah. said the jury was deadlocked on the charges for conspiracy after the fact, which stems from allegations that Snoop attempted to destroy evidence in the Jeep Cherokee he was driving on the evening of sh- the shooting. That was never proven, though, so I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, Philip's family accused the defense of waging a smear campaign against their loved one, which, I mean, I feel like... That's, that's kind of the defense's job, job is to... You know what I'm saying? ...prove, like, to show, to offer alternative theories. And, like, yeah, sometimes defense attorneys are smarmy assholes, but, I mean... Not all the time. Not all the time, and also sometimes it's not a smear campaign if it's true. I don't know so, if it's true, though. I mean, I'm not... Yeah, I'm not saying that it is true, but, like, if he was a member of a gang, hmm. I mean, a spade is a spade, etc. Yeah. The jury was made up of five blacks, five whites, and two Latinos. So, it's okay. diverse. Um, but hours... Be- <laughs> this is so funny to me. Hours before the verdict, the judge denied a jury request to tour Woodbine Park where the shooting occurred. The judge told attorneys that such a trip could mislead the jury. Because the park has since been remodeled, but he also feared for their safety. <laughs> I mean, if it's a place where gangs tend to hang out, then yeah, yeah I would I would be concerned too. The prosecutors had called 24 witnesses to the stand while the defense only called one witness. That's how you know that you're confident in <laughs> your, your arguing skills. <laughs> Snoop Dogg, okay, so this is... About a moment in time. Um, So Snoop Dogg's 1993 murder trial will be the focus of the second season of 50 Cent's hip-hop anthology series, A Moment in Time. The second edition of the series will be titled Murder Was the Case. Uh, Snoop Dogg, whose real name is Calvin Brodus, who I said, will executively produce alongside Curtis Jackson, whose whose stage name is 50 Cent. But the logline... Biddy. The logline for this (laughs) is, quote, in 1993, Snoop Dogg, a.k.a. Calvin Brodus, was charged with first-degree murder for the shooting of Philip Oldermerium, a member of a yeah. rival gang who was actually killed by Snoop's bodyguard, McKinley Lee Malik. Snoop's trial was going on during the release of Snoop's debut album, Doggy Style, in which the most popular song was Murder Was the Case. The publicity of this case boosted sales to over 5 million albums, but the violent nature of murder was the case. We go on to hurt Snoop's case in his trial. I don't really think it did. Yeah. Represented by defense attorney Johnny Cochran, who also ripped O.J. Simpson just a year before, Snoop and his defense claimed that his bodyguard was the shooter and acted in self-defense. The season will pull back the curtain on the publicized story and show what Snoop dealt with in front and behind cameras. End quote. Interesting. Okay, so this is a quote from 50 Cent about the show. Quote, Murder Was the Case is an incredible story. Snoop had the biggest album in the country and was fighting for freedom in the courtroom. The only place to go on this incredible ride is with G-Unit Film and Television. I am excited to be working with Snoop to bring it to TV. Hashtag GLG. End quote. (laughs) G-Unit. And this is a quote from Snoop Dogg about it. Quote, I am excited to finally tell the story of murder was the case. This was a pivotal moment in my life and career, and I've deliberately waited until I found the right partner to bring it to the screen. Hashtag GLG. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. End quote. Um, in case you're wondering about what the first... Uh, I It hasn't premiered yet. Uh, it was... So, and I didn't write any of the sound. This is just from what I've seen. Um, but... 50 Cent posted on Instagram that he was... So, it was originally supposed to be produced by Stars. Well, then he started beefing with Stars and said it was a waste of money, and now he's going to Lionsgate. Mm-hmm. So, it hasn't come out yet, but the first season of A Moment in Time is focused on the real-life feud between 50 Cent and the rapper The Game, which I think... And don't hold me to this, but I think that's the person who had him shot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would... I don't know. So... I could be, I could be totally wrong. Don't attack me. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always we'll we'll find out some sometime. I, I guess just know fifty cent was shot nine times. Same. Okay, so this is the aftermath of the uh, case. Snoop Dogg says the experience had a long lasting effect on his career. In a recent conversation with Batman Scoop on Instagram Live, Snoop revealed he changed the way he wrote raps when he beat the murder trial after realizing how powerful his words were. Quote around this time. Me, Tupac, Biggie, Ice Cube, all the rappers were rapping around that time. We was writing what we was living. Some of us was writing life and some of us was writing death, but that's what we were living. On my second album, The Dog Father, when I beat my murder case, I redirected my pen to write life because I felt I like I had written death all the way up until that point, end quote. So that's what I meant. Like, I feel like they weren't 
glorifying it or glamorizing it. I feel like they were just writing yeah. their experiences. But I can see yeah. rappers now aren't rapping about the same things rappers then were rapping about. So I can see, mm-hmm. I guess, it being in that time. I think some of them are, but it's not in the same way. Like, I mm-hmm. think they are um, communicating it in a way that makes it a little bit more personal to them rather than like the general yeah and not just like the general state of Mm -hmm. the neighborhood like yeah so it's like they're they're still rapping about their experiences in these bad circumstances in their neighborhoods or just whatever but it's just yeah i don't think the lyrics are necessarily as violent as they were like in the yeah i feel like it's more i could be wrong yeah yeah i could be wrong though because i don't i don't actively listen to rap all that often so fair um but the hip-hop icon added that after beating the case he no longer wanted to quote glamorize and glorify and quote death even if it cost him fans so quote when i started writing the dog father i lost a lot of fans i lost a lot of homies because they want me to keep it gangsta after beating the murder case they want me to glamorize and glorify but it was like somebody's life was lost my life was changed this is a real situation end quote i think that's a very good outlook on that and i think it was it's really sad that philip lost his life Mm -hmm. and we don't even if he was involved in even if he was involved in like gang violence or whatever like he still lost his life yeah yeah and that's definitely like it's good to see that snoop didn't like take that experience for granted because i know that a lot of people do Mm -hmm. i feel like i don't know i guess i'm just going to use this as like an example as like a recent example but like with the kyle rittenhouse stuff like he's been going to like these rnc conventions and whatever and he's kind of become somewhat of a celebrity based off of what he did regardless somebody still died yeah and like i don't care like politics these people were yeah yeah politics aside i don't care who the like if these people were good or bad because he obviously would not have known that when he did it but like people still lost their lives and i don't know basically the way that it's been handled after the fact i don't feel like he has necessarily absorbed that but i could be wrong because i also don't pay attention to him either so yeah it's just like i mean and this is yeah and it's like 24 25 however Mm -hmm. many years after the fact so he's also snoop dogs also had time to like digest it go through it it's still a traumatic experience regardless Mm -hmm. trial and court and being a part of a situation like that that's traumatizing regardless if you put yourself there or not um and i feel like using his platform to talk about how at the end of the day somebody's life was lost and other Mm -hmm. people's lives were changed i think that's a great standpoint to have on it yeah especially because like like we said earlier like gangs are still very prevalent especially in a lot of inner city areas and i think primarily a lot of younger people get involved in them because they don't really have many options Mm -hmm. and so especially now i think a lot of people just don't value other people's lives if they disagree with them Mm -hmm. like social media has definitely played a part in it but i feel Mm -hmm. like just in general people are just like they don't realize that even though they may not like somebody that person is still a person person. still a human being regardless friends and family like yeah i don't know it's the internet has desensitized us all to the value of somebody's life life. yes yeah i'm so so deep i'm not even gonna lie i'm so desensitized to death and like oh that sucks yeah that's why especially with having a true crime podcast like there are certain cases where after the fact like i can't after researching like i can't just go on with my day like with the junko furuta case for example like after i researched that i could not just carry on with my with my day because i'm like this person suffered so much and they lost their life like it's just this is just a whole like indictment of the of the genre in itself i think but there are a lot of people in the true crime sphere who um make light of a lot of things that they shouldn't make light of. Like, oh, we for do. Example, we're... I'm not gonna lie. We 
do our episodes with humor, but that's and it's not. It's I'm not at the expense light. of the victims. No, and it's also how I deal with daily life. I, I mean, I'm sure you guys know. I've mentioned it several times. I <laughs> got shot in the back. I have dealt with it since I was in the hospital of making jokes about it. Chris gets so fucking annoyed with it. But that's how I deal with trauma of any kind. So it's not at the expense, it's the expense of the person who did it or it's to make the case a little easier to tell or it's to add light to a situation that's very depressing. It's not that we're making fun of the situation at all. Yeah, because like if if there's anything that you get out of wa- listening to our episodes it's that we hope that you understand we n- acknowledge that the situation was tragic we're never condoning anything that any of the perpetrators has done um because we've had a few episodes where people are like oh you're glorifying and it's like no we're not like we have co- we we condemn what they did just because we might focus a little bit more on like what got them to that point doesn't necessarily mean we're glorifying we're just explaining but sometimes that's the easiest way you're not gonna i like to know a person's backstory why are they is it nurture is it nature because there's two different and they both play a part and i want to know what led them up to that point is this how they are or is it a are they a product of their upbringing it also yeah. gives and light to change a situation in the future that you might not know. Exactly. Because it it can help you raise awareness. And that was the whole reason why I wanted to study criminal and forensic psychology in school was because I like to understand people. Mm-hmm. I like to understand what makes them do the things that they do. It doesn't mean that I'm going to excuse the things they do just because I understand why they're doing it. Like, I'm still going to call you an asshole. But like, I need even to though, know the who, what, where, yeah. when, and why to actually gain the knowledge of a story. I have a gnat flying around the camera. Yeah, because, like, even if you have X, Y, and Z reason for why you did something, if you still did that thing, you're still responsible for the your actions. Mm-hmm. It You can't just be like, oh, well, I did this because of, like, because my, my parents Dad were abusive or something. Me. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, but you still did this thing. Like, you still did the Do you know how many people whose parents abuse them on a daily basis but don't grow up to be serial killers? Yeah. I mean, that's (laughs) what I'm saying. That's what I want to tell these people. Like, oh, your dad, you know what I'm saying? Your dad abused you. Okay, get in line. There's like 500 others. Yeah, and that's why anytime there's like... Yeah, it's like anytime there's a mass shooting event, for example, the media tends to focus on like, oh, they were bullied in school. It's like, so the fuck was I? But you don't see me going out there buying a semi-automatic weapon and shooting down people all the time. Like, Mm. I don't know. Just because somebody was treated a certain way doesn't excuse the reason why they did something. But... To go back to what I was saying, there are some people in the true crime space who um, make light of, I guess, serial killers in the sense that they make fun of, I guess not the victim, but like people who, for example, uh, that one group we were in, there was some sort of sticker or whatever talking about like cooking in the kitchen or something. And it was like Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, joking about that. And it's like the people who were affected by that their family and their friends and stuff they're still alive (laughs) they're these were real people who suffered at the hands of these people and yeah it's just still suffering yeah they're gonna wear a shirt that says drink the flavor aid when there's still people who who had family members who couldn't stop them from going to jonestown and they're still alive today they're still survivors of people of jonestown yeah and then there's like like Ted Bundy, like people wearing like lady killer shirts or something like that, or like you know, Ted it's just, Bundy service, I, or yeah, Ted Buggy service or something. Yeah, and so like, I don't know. It's it's hard to find a spot in the true crime like genre when you don't do that. And like like Britt said, we obviously infuse humor, but we try not to have it be at the expense of the victims. 
However, if we ever do something that you feel might be like in a harmful. it might be offensive or harmful, please let us know, but like in a, in a kind, kind way. way so that we cry. can learn. Because we are try like we're not we're not doing it intentionally. We want to like we respect the victims. We our want whole to point, share their stories. Yeah, I was about to say that's our whole point. This is to tell a story for victims who usually don't have it. Yeah. Except in this case, we want to give a platform. <laughs> we we want to give a platform to victims, and we want to talk about these crimes, but we're not doing it in a way to glorify anybody we're not doing it to try and do any of that we just want to remind people that these these aren't just stories these are people the these people had lives before what made them well known quote unquote and our whole and to have people like brooke come on and people like melissa brockman come on and people like angelique come on Mm. i want them to feel comfortable coming onto my podcast to tell their story I don't want them yeah. to be like, oh, she's wearing a lady killer shirt with a picture of yeah. Ted Bundy. No, I'm res- yeah. I want to respect you. Let me give you this platform to where you can share your yeah. story and feel safe. Exactly. And like like uh, Angelique's experience on, for example, Dr. Phil, we never want to be be like that. We never want to ridicule not. somebody who has been through a traumatic experience and make them feel like they can't open up to us about what happened to them so again if you ever feel like we have done that please just let us know um you can reach us on our website or through our email <laughs> what a good you, transition uh, <laughs> yeah we, uh, you can find us on all of our social media platforms because that's all for today now that we have <laughs> gotten that out of our system um you can find us on facebook at shockingly wicked podcast you can find us on youtube also at shockingly wicked podcast although we are not posting on there currently we do still have all of our videos we just have privated them i don't reasons. think we'll be posting them for a while yes at this um, time we just mainly don't feel because like it's beneficial and also, I don't have the time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought I did. I do not. I'm doing too many things. So okay. uh, you can find us there, but we're not currently posting. We can find us on TikTok at Shockingly Wicked. You can find us on Twitter at Wicked Podcast One, and we are also on Instagram at Shockingly Wicked Podcast. Patreon, Shockingly Wicked Podcast, as well. We have three separate tiers. You get bonus episodes. I can probably put together a uh, blooper reel at some point. Who knows? I don't have time for anything. And then we've got various other things. You get access to our case notes. You get a personalized video from us where we're just goofing off saying, hey, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, You get free stickers, which I am currently surrounded by. For example, I have stickers that say Head of the Garbage Man Association right next to me. Those are my favorites. Um, And yeah, so you, you get some perks. And then we also get to have some more funds to put back into the podcast to make this better for you guys. You can also find our website at shockinglywicked.com or shockinglywickedpodcast.com and you can contact us on our website. All of our social media links and whatnot are on there as well. Uh, We have a contact form on there and our email address is shockinglywickedpodcast at gmail.com where you can send case suggestions, anything that you want to basically chit chat with us about, I guess. We also have individual emails, so mine is Brianna, B-R-I-A-N-A at shockinglywickedpodcast.com, and then there's Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y at shockinglywickedpodcast.com. So, have at it. (laughs) We look forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you next week. Bye! Bye!